0: So for the past month, we have been talking about um, our series called Christmas List, right? Reordering our priorities. And as we looked at the nativity scene, we've looked at characters and different themes uh, in light of our priorities. And ultimately, the whole point is that we can better realign our priorities to match that with what God has in store for us. And so since we've been talking about this kind of re-examining our priorities, especially in light of the holiday season... I think it's no surprise that when I give sermons like this, or maybe you've heard other like holiday themed sermons, um, that these things kind of feel temporary, right? They kind of just come and go. And then every year, you know, pastors recycle uh, these Christmas messages because we have to be reminded once a year for some reason, right? Um, it's kind of like this, you know, as we approach the New Year's, uh, how many of you guys have already started working on your New Year's resolutions? Like what you're going to do for the New Year's. Have people started working, Claire? You got your head up, loud and proud. Nathan's like, nope, I don't think so. Okay, Elena, kind of, right? Some of you guys, if not all of you, eventually will think of things that you want to do in the year 2021, right? I think that's just fact. Whether you make an actual list, you have New Year's resolutions or whatever, um, we're going to be thinking of things like, oh, in 2021, I'm going to be more kind. I'm gonna be uh, exercising a lot more than I did this. I want to eat healthier. I'm gonna cut out meat altogether and become vegetarian. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray or read my Bible more than I uh, than I did in 2020. Right? So whatever your New Year resolution may look like, or things that you want to do in the next year, how often, if not, uh, do these things become very momentary? Right? They kind of happen and then they just kind of fade away into the distance where they're out of reach and you can no longer grasp it anymore, right? And then it comes back to December and you're thinking again, like, ah, oh, 2022, right? And then repeats, right? The 2023, right? And it just goes over and over and over again, right? First month in, you're doing strong. You're doing great, right? One month strong of exercising, and eating healthy. Then second month, it's just like, oh, I'll just take a few days off. And then the third month, it's just like you forgot what your New Year's resolution is. And you're thinking there's always next year. Now, of course, I'm not saying that all of you guys will fail your your goals and your dreams uh, when we get into 2021. But what I want to point out is this kind of ideal that uh, for some of us, our goals and our plans don't live long. Right. They kind of die off in the beginning of the year. We're on fire motivated at first and then we run dry. In the same light, when we talk about our theme of Christmas and kind of this reordering of our priorities, as we've journeyed together and learned about how we can reorder them and what that may look like, uh, sometimes because of the season, the inspiration we get, uh, change isn't always long term, right? After a few months, we feel on fire for the Lord and we feel like we've got everything in order and then we just kind of drift away. We start falling apart and we're just like, ah, like I'll, I'll try again later. I'll try again another time. And then because of this, pastors have the wonderful opportunity of recycling the same message every year. And we get to the holiday season, we remind you, uh, and then it just repeats over and over and over again. My point in saying this is this, though. When it comes to our reordering of priorities, my hope and prayer is that the focus shift that we take today and during this season Doesn't just happen in the holiday season, but rather it can become a part of our daily lives to the point where it becomes out of habit, right? It becomes just the way that we live and it becomes second nature. Because the test of whether or not our reordering is legitimate, right? This reordering of our priorities It's really when it becomes so second nature that you don't have to think twice about it again, that it becomes so accustomed to the way that you live that we don't have to repeat this next year in December, right? So today in our series, I want to take the time to wrap up our year 2020 talking about how we can take these virtues, these things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, this other centered thinking and and making uh, that a reality that goes beyond this holiday season and beyond our kind of circle of, 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 of our church community. That it goes above and beyond. Right. So this past week for our week of prayer, we talked about this theme of abide. But we broke it down into three parts. We talked about why we abide, how we abide, and then what abiding in Christ ultimately looks like. This kind of this abide and beyond. Right? Where we make this thing into a reality. What completes the picture? Right? And it's interesting because as I was studying for this week's sermon and preparing for the week of prayer, I noticed how there are hints of our mission statement, Abide, that kind of tie into the Nativity story. And uh, especially here in Luke chapter 2. Um, so we read over Luke chapter 2 and this story, this part of the story Uh, Our first week of this series. But I want to look at it one more time. And I'll show you exactly what I mean. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 to 16. If you notice I don't have it on the screen today. So pull out your Bibles if you have it. Uh, Luke chapter 2 starting with verse 8. We'll read to verse 16. And then we'll read also verse 20. So pull out your Bibles. Luke chapter 2 8 to 16. And the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. Verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. Then look at verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they have been told. Ah, so let me just cut to the chase. I won't drag this out for too long. You see, the reason why we abide, as Isaiah shared with us the first night of week of prayer, is because we are thankful for the gospel, right? Of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross for us, right? The fact that God sent his one and only son to die for you and I, that is truly a miracle. And because of that, we uh, are thankful for the gospel. Thus, we abide with Christ, right? And we find that exactly in verse 11, right? The mess, the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one has been born to this world. And that's the beautiful message of Jesus coming down to the earth, right? We find that here. Okay. And the why we abide is clear, right? It's because Jesus came to save us from our sin and suffering and our pain, that we will have the opportunity to receive salvation and live a life of eternity with our creator. The next one, how we abide, right? We abide by communing with Christ. It's studying the scripture. It's reading, it's praying, it's obeying God because we have fallen in love with him. And if you see in the nativity story, and if you remember, we talked already about how these people were not just like people randomly taking care of their sheep, These were people that were very attuned to the scriptures. They were looking for a sign. They were people that were very aware of the fact that there would be a Messiah. These people did not just suddenly go on their smartphone and Google like, oh, what does this star mean? Like, is there a prophecy related to this? No, these people were very attuned and aware of what was going to happen. And they were just waiting for the moment that God would reveal themselves to them. Right. They didn't. Yeah, they they were not fact checking whether or not this was fake news, right? They knew, even if they were afraid, that this was now the real deal, and they had to go see the Messiah for themselves. And then the third part of our week of prayer that we find here: How do we live that out? How do we live out this theme of abide? How do we really complete the picture of what it looks like to abide in Christ? If you look uh, in verse 15 and verse 20, the whole ideal is we go and we share that, right? It's not just for me. The message is not only given to me, but it was meant for all people, right? It's not meant to be put in a nice little container and thrown away in the pantry for it to be used for yourself on another day. It's for all of us to know and experience, right? Look at verse 20, right? They returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. They're, they're rejoicing for this great, significant event. It's not just for them. It's a joyful noise for all to hear. Look at verse 10, and there's something interesting that I found. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will create cause great joy for all the people. I think there's a really valuable lesson we can pull away from just this verse. Um, but the angel proclaims there's going to be good news, right? But very specifically, the good news is not just for those that are there, but for all the people, right? For all people. And a lot of the times we would think of this and look at this and think, like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? All people, okay? Yeah, that makes sense, right? It's a, a message that will make a lot of people happy. But there's an interesting tidbit that I want you guys to to realize, and I'll turn you guys into Luke scholars as as we look at this here. But there's a stronger message that the author of the Gospel of Luke is actually trying to share with us. You see, when you study the Gospel of Luke, you find that one of the most reoccurring things in the Gospel message was that it was meant for everyone, right? The Gospel message is offered to all. Right, including people that were not of Jewish descent. Okay, now remember this: this is actually one of the biggest like problems that the early church is facing. Okay, it wasn't about like a conservative liberal, right? It wasn't about like what we wear to church and what we can't wear, right? It wasn't about the things that we eat. Those things, yeah, there were obviously issues and problems. You know, jewelry and and things like that were clearly issues. But one of the most pressing issues of the early church was as the gospel message was being spread to all different kinds of people, the more people heard, the more there were Gentile followers coming into belief of this Jesus. Now, you might think like, oh, well, what's wrong with that, right? Well, there's clearly a problem. If You are a Jewish person. A Jewish person that, that, that grew up, right, had this rich, really strong heritage, that throughout history, God has chosen the Jewish people to be the chosen ones. Jewish people found a struggle, right? To find this balance and understanding of exactly what God's plan of redemption was supposed to look like in this world, right? And they were confused. Who is this really for? God promised us before that it was us. It was we were the people, but now we have all these people that were not Jewish They don't have the culture or the background or the heritage, and these people are coming to believe in Jesus too. What do we do, right? And of course, praise God, okay? We all are, us as Gentile people, us as people that are not Jewish and don't carry that heritage, we still have the opportunity to take plan in uh, the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ and his redemption plan, right? So what's interesting, because throughout the gospel of Luke, And even in the book of Acts, which uh, scholars say are most likely written by the same author, they carry this theme both very subtly and very explicitly, showing that the gospel message would really be for all people, including those that were Gentile, right? So you can imagine if you were Jewish and you were reading the gospel of Luke, you had come to believe that Jesus was the Lord and Savior. He was the Messiah. It would be easy for you to say, yes, like this is my Lord and Savior. But your neighbors are Gentiles, your neighbors, the people that, that you despise for the fact that they did not have that same heritage and culture that you did are now also a part of that picture. So that's, that's absolutely like, like, like ground shaking for these people and maybe for you, but this is the problem. Okay. Just as the early church struggled with finding a balance on the limitations of what God's redemptive plan was. For Gentile believers, as they tried to figure out exactly what God meant by all people, they continued to to build and foster this very strong, we are still the chosen one mentality, right? Like, think about what Paul writes to in some of the churches, right? Yeah, he writes about like, you know, he writes to Timothy about like leadership. He talks to Timothy and other uh, apostles about um, uh, dress and food and, and all these other things, right? Um, nature of the the resurrection, right? He talks about these things with these churches, but the fact that they're having these problems, these divisions about their beliefs and their practices and, and, and on all of these issues was because of the fact that they are having to clash with, with Gentile believers, people that have come into the faith, but were not of Jewish background, Right. And if we look at that now and we think like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you fight over that? We all believe in God. Like, that's great. Right. This is this is what we think as we're looking at it. OK. And we might think it's even silly. Right. And we would think like, well, God died for everyone, not just for some. The gospel is for everyone. And I think now in our society, and our culture, we have a very, very good understanding of what that looks like. But the reality is we actually aren't that much different than the early church. I think, unfortunately, we're actually not that much different than the early church. How often do we find ourselves keeping the gospel for just me, right? How often do we find ourselves looking to those on the outside and thinking like, oh, surely not that, right? No, no way. Like those people, like, I don't know about them. Like they, they don't do it the right way, right? They don't, they don't follow all the laws like we do. Like uh, something is off with them, right? How often do we find ourselves bickering and fighting with one another about how things should be or how we interpret things to be? And maybe in our hearts, we get to the point of thinking, man, how can that person even call themselves a believer if they do this or if they do that? You see, this is my point. We, too, can end up becoming more like the Jewish of old. Right? They, they got caught up with this ideal that they were special. They were the chosen ones. They had received this gospel message. So much to the point that this joyful news, this this good news, gospel message, the beauty of it was not shared with others to all, but only kept for themselves. And they wanted it to be that way, which makes it even more unfortunate. We too can keep this message of the gospel for ourselves. We want it only for us. We don't want to share, right? Oh, they're not worthy, right? They don't worship the way we do. They don't follow the laws. They don't believe in what we believe, right? You see, when we do that though, this is the problem. We start to get into this mindset, this this mode of, of me, 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 right? It's mine, mine, mine. And it's no longer for anyone else. And that becomes dangerous. Whether we do this knowingly or unknowingly, This is the danger we have to be aware of, because when the gospel message is no longer shared with others, the intent of it, then no longer becomes good news. Right. What good is the gospel message when we keep it for ourselves? You see, I think church in the same way when it comes to our priorities, when it comes to the things we do, the kindness we share Right, the goods that we distribute, the wealth that we have for others, and not just ourselves, and and even when we try shifting it around in our own little community, right? We we try helping those that align with me, right? Oh yeah, these people understand what I believe, so let me let me help them. What are we really doing as Christians? I think when we look back at the early church and the core of the gospel uh, message, we have to come to realize that this isn't just about me. This is about everyone. Like, like, really, who are we to be the people that stop the gospel message that was originally intended for all people and not just for us? And how much more so can we learn to live a lifestyle that becomes so second nature that when the world sees it in the eyes of the world, that it's not just about us, but it's about them as well. You see, church, we have to get into this mindset of shifting this priority this, this lifestyle, this way of living, so that it isn't just captured in a little box that's kept for ourselves, but it's really meant for all people. The way that we live, the way that we present ourselves is not just for the fact that we believe as Seventh-day Adventists and our little circle, but it's for everyone, like literally everyone, right? You see, I think the message is pretty clear. And I think, you know, I've hounded it down on you guys for the past four weeks, But it's clear that these priorities that we are to reorder during the holiday season and kind of getting us into that mindset isn't just a limitation to what we do now in this season, but should really become a lifestyle. It should become something that we practice on the daily. right? And now one of the things that actually was brought up to me um, about my series is, you know, like, oh, but pastor, like I, I feel so insignificant. Like, I feel like I... I, I, I make so many mistakes like I always like get confused on my priorities like what do I do yeah I, I want to be very clear as I wrap up that I'm not asking anyone to be perfect in any way shape or form or we're not asking for legalism and and do these things all to a T right and, and I get it it's hard it's a challenge it's a struggle because we are creatures of habit right we're not used to to immediate change And for sure, we will falter. We will find ourselves lacking, right? We will have days where we just can't, where we feel dry and obsolete and we just break down. But that's really the beautiful thing of the gospel message when we learn to grasp what the the essence of the gospel is all about, and really what this holiday season is as well. You see, when it comes to abiding in Christ, when it comes to this reordering of our priorities, When it comes to making this a reality, the fact of the matter is this. All of these things isn't because of your ability and of your strength. It's because of what God has already done for us. We have to remember that. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God has already done for you. You see, everything that we do is literally just in response to our understanding of the magnitude of God's sacrifice for you and me. We have to stay humble. We have to remind ourselves that if we fall, that's okay. Remember and hold on to the promise of what God has already done for you and for I. Yeah, we're going to have bad days. We're going to have low moments in our lives. And that's okay because of the fact that God has already done something so significant for you and I. And it's because of that promise, we can have the assurance that even in my down days, God is there. Even when I can't see him. He is still there. God is there cheering you on. God is with you. And God promises us that. You see, I believe that if we really learn as a church to take hold of this beautiful promise, that 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 our lives will be radically transformed and changed. That this, this reordering of our priorities doesn't have to be something that we have to remind ourselves every year at the end of the year when we reach Christmas. But it actually becomes a habit it becomes the way that we live it becomes so second nature remember church we're not here on a hundred yard dash we're here on a marathon there will be ups and downs individually and even as a church but as we continue to to abide with one another and continue to to abide together with Christ God gives us that strength so we can make it to that finish line you see, I, I pray that through our lives, through the next year of 2021, that we can learn to live out these different virtues and priorities so that we can reflect what it says in First John four eleven and 12. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Church, I want to challenge you as we approach 2021 to really take hold of the promise and the fact that the gospel message was not meant to be put in a bottle and sent out to sea, but it was meant for us to take hold of and to share, to proclaim and shout for joy to this world that needs it more than ever. You know, when you look at this world and you look at the sin that consumes all of us, How much more do we need this joyful news that there was somebody that came that sacrificed their life on the cross for us to have a chance to live a life with Him, with no more pain, suffering, sorrow, no more shame, truly a place of happiness and joy. Church, I I pray that we as a church can come together and to live this out in our lives. As we share the gospel message with those around us, as we abide with Christ, as we really take hold of of our new priorities in Christ, that we can be beacons of light to a world of darkness. Church, this is my prayer and this is my hope. Let's pray.